Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respect to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Welcome newcomers to the Facebook group and to the podcasts. We love hearing the diverse reasons why teachers across the world are joining all this deep and creative literacy work that's going on in schools. Some of the recent comments, one from a teacher joining because they want ideas to help teachers of all levels to keep them engaged and stretch them in their teaching of literacy. A pre-service teacher said, I found this podcast when I stumbled upon your morning messages and I've been hooked since and I look forward to connecting with like-minded cohorts. Um, And then from two more teachers, I love this podcast and you often mention resources that are available for this group Um, and we love being able to bring resources, not just um, the podcast as a resource, but other things that can lead people into further investigations and learning. And from another teacher, valuable resources and advice for teaching literacy. So if you're not a member of the Teachers Toolkit Facebook group, we would love you to join and introduce yourself to the group. But now to this week's podcast, we um, are doing this podcast on the language experience approach and we welcome Di Snowball, our regular expert on the show. Hi, Di. G'day, Sharon. <laughs> so good to have you back. And I know we we actually mentioned in the last podcast that you were here for that we would do a podcast on the language experience approach. And so we're coming we good did. with it. Yeah, yes. well done. Yeah. <laughs> so um, firstly, Di, what have you been up to lately? Uh, well, I've actually been spending a lot of time writing what I guess is sort of a detailed curriculum plan for foundation teaching of literacy. I'm working with a very good school, Elston Wick Primary School, Mm. and the foundation teachers, and uh, they really wanted to do some proper planning before next year so they would really know what they were going to do and um, some sort of sequence of what they were going to do and to make sure that they were doing things well. So... Um, you know, there's a, 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 t- a teacher who's a beginning teacher, mm-hmm. um, there's an experienced foundation teacher, and there's one who next year will be returning to that um, year level. She's been teaching grade three. So it, it's a mixture of um, knowledge, and but all want to learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And, of course, the teacher who will next year be her second year of teaching um 
is, you know, has a lot of, ex, ex, you know, that sort of experience under her belt about how you get things going in a classroom even. Yes. Um, I think that's the hard thing for a beginning teacher. Yes. Yeah. And um, But now they really want to, to make sure that they're really dealing with literacy properly, really well, thoroughly, etc. Mm. And so it's sort of like writing out the details of the what and the how and the when. And I'm enjoying it. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, It's taking me a long time to do because although I've had lots of experience with that age group in teaching and helping other teachers, I wanted to make sure that everything we were doing was thoroughly up to date in terms of research. So um, I've been, you know, enrolling in online courses and rereading and um yeah lots of that so it's very good for me too mm. oh and i think there'll be lots of us we're all you know we'll be hanging off you know at the edge of our seats here going oh we'll be looking forward to seeing what you've done there die yeah in yeah. fact it'll be so thorough and of course it's not the same in every school but there are certainly some curriculum that you should be following you know the australian curriculum and and the victoria in this case the victorian curriculum um we have a very 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 good guideline in victoria called the literacy toolkit or the toolkit for literacy um and so you know i make sure i use that that as a resource so a lot of the detail i can simply say refer to and something in that document will be there explaining Mm. uh, a lot about how to do it and why to do it etc yes now that's a toolkit the literacy toolkit is available to all teachers anyone it's online it's free and that's all you have to key in and then within that you can just Type in um, whatever you want in the search part, Mm -hmm. um, phonemic awareness, spelling, um, punctuation. I mean, you name it. Yes, yeah. About literacy learning, it will be there, including a very good section on the language experience approach. Which is? How to do it, when to do it, why to do it, what you do. Yep. Right. So two things. We will uh, put the link to the Literacy Toolkit in the show notes. and then people will know that they can also find some more information, particularly about language experience approach that we'll be looking at today. But we're going to go into some detail about that um, in this podcast. Um, And I was also going to just add that as part of um, the podcast in the show notes, we'll also include an article that you've written, Di, called Language Experience, Talking, Writing, Reading. Uh-huh. So, um, when before we begin, I just want to, you know, why have we brought the language experience approach, you know, to today's podcast? And I think we just want to set it in the context of what are the kinds of things that teachers are thinking about that would even um, lead them to start exploring the language experience approach. And it might be that they're thinking of, what are the different ways that we can really get our children engaged in reading and writing? Um, How can we bring more meaning into what they are doing so that they are engaged and grow in their um, reading, writing, speaking development? And really the language experience approach is um, 
what I guess we would call a technique or a tool that I really think belongs in every literacy teacher's repertoire. Whether, Absolutely. Whether it's for um, our younger readers and writers or, in fact, for our older readers and writers, there is a real – there's an entry point for them into this language experience approach. So can I get you to begin by talking or telling us a bit about what is the language experience approach? Okay, sure. Look, it, it's very brief, really, because what it is, it's taking advantage of ex- an experience you would have, with, and it might be with one child who you're trying mm-hmm. to help with their reading, writing, oral language development, mm-hmm. um, or it might be a group and it could be the whole class. And it really can be any age group. It might be um, adults who had trouble learning to read and are coming back wanting again to have another go and learn to read and write. Um, It could be uh, children whose first language is not English and it's a specific group of kids like that that you want to help with them uh, learn a new language. Um, So there's really no group that you're not going to work with but All you need is an experience that they have had and you have had with them or at least observed and then you help them to talk about that experience and to write down what they say. So uh, if it was a retelling of something they've done, then you would get them to retell what happened and you would be the scribe. The reason why you're being the scribe is because it's showing them that what they say could be written down and then what's written down can be read. Now, I'll come back to who needs to be the scribe in a second, but if I'm the scribe, then I know how to write the sentences as sentences and how to write the words correctly spelled, etc. And because this is a piece of writing that we're then going to use for reading, it is important that the grammar, punctuation, spelling are correct because you want them to, you know, the model of what they're reading, you want to be a good model for them to be reading from and to observe how words are spelled or how sentences are constructed, etc. But you could have the children assisting you with that scribing part by um, perhaps through interactive writing that you actually get some kids to do some parts of it that you know they'll be able to have a go at. And even let's say they don't spell a word correctly, we can talk with them about what they had right about that word and perhaps show them how it would be written in a book so that they're not feeling badly about not getting it right rather than say this is wrong and this is how you do it. You can say, well, yes, that's a really great attempt. All good spellers try to spell, even if they're not sure of the spelling. Um, and then they find out if it's going to be published for people to read, they would find out how to write it the same as you would find it in a book. So that um, I could have it be like when children first begin school, I might be the scribe for them um, and very soon I would want them to be helping me describe so that they feel like, yes, I am a writer. Um, and there are other times, by the way, that they would write themselves regardless of their stages of development. And I think we need to make sure that that's where language experience work differs from 
the student's own writing. Yes. Um, because if they're writing by themselves, you would not be interfering. You would want them to have a go wherever they're at in their development, and then you can use that to help them. But in language experience work, um, a knowledgeable writer needs to be the scribe or involved in the writing so that you can help the kids with their attempts because what can be written can be read. And that's the important part of language experience. We're not just going to read it once. We're going to reread it many times as well, just as you would if you were doing shared reading, that you would read the text many times over uh, because children then become familiar with the text and can read along with you. And you can use that text to teach just about anything about uh, reading that you want to, whether it's – on-set rhyme work, whether it's phonics work, uh, other kinds of aspects about spelling, whether it's looking at um, grammar or past tense when you're writing something versus present tense, etc. So the piece of text is going to be used a lot. We could branch out from it and do a lot of other things. We might add to it. It might help us, you know, if we wrote a recount of what we did in the garden that day, we might then go back and actually write um, a description, instructions of how to plant something in the garden. Mm-hmm. So we can do different kinds of writing um, because we want the kids to know how to write much more than just recounts. Yes. But it, yeah. So it's that uh, wonderful combination of experience, talking, writing, reading, rereading and then working out from that to do many other literacy pieces of work. Yes. And that's that's very rich. Yes. And of course it, it became very, very uh, common. Well I know when I began teaching fifty five years ago, it was very common for us to do that with children in their first year at school because we didn't in those days let them write for themselves. I mean, thank goodness we changed that very soon. Um, But it it was the main thing we did to help children to learn about writing um, and then we could use that for reading as well. And we'll go on and talk about why it's so important to use it as reading. But do you you think we need to add anything else about the description of it? Um, No, but there there were four... um well, there were a few other terms that you used that I think we should just um, clarify a little bit, and that is yep. um, one that you said early was about the notion of interactive writing. Right. How okay, important. Sure. So really, you know, as part of our toolkit, <laughs> really, for yep. um, the language experience approach, we really want to be able to draw on and I think, that, you know, these, these key other elements, the interactive writing, m- modelled writing, shared yes, writing. exactly. <laughs> and then we'll talk about the reading, the shared reading yeah, part of it. So Exactly. So I do think it would be good for us to just explore those a little bit. To yeah, it's a good have, idea. Yeah, to have yeah. people clear about um, what does – let's start with interactive writing. Yeah, okay, good idea. So that – I could write for the children uh, and it would be their language, their ideas, but I'm being the scribe and that would be um, just me modelling writing. Yes. If it was 
and, and by the way, I could even distinguish between if I came up with the words, if I came up with the story or whatever the text is, mm. and I actually said it and then I wrote down what I was saying, I really think that's modelled writing. Yes. And when it's shared writing, then the ideas and this language comes from the children as well as you, and but you are the scribe. You're showing them how to write that down. Yes. And then when it comes to interactive writing, instead of me being the, the total scribe, I can call on the children to help me with that. Mm. Now, this is where the better... Um, you are at interactive writing is based on how well you know the children. So that as a classroom teacher, if I know that um, Frida is really trying to remember how to spell a particular word mm-hmm. in high-frequency words perhaps, I might call on her to write that word if we're going to be using it in the writing. So I'm aware of something she's trying to get better at and I get her to have a go at it as part of our writing. I might also, in a very simple way, know that perhaps Frida knows her name starts with a f sound and it's and it's an F. So if we were going to write the word funny, I might ask her to come out and write the first letter of that word because she would know it. So I'm thinking about what the children know and what they're learning and wanting to try and I will get them to have a go at it. Now, I would do that on usually on chart paper but I have some sort of tape that allows me to cover up something that's been written and write over it because it's going to be read. So if it wasn't going to be read, we might just put up with, um, not put up with, but we might accept um, you know, the their, whatever their attempts are without needing to change it, particularly if I'm trying to build their confidence and having a go at writing. Yes. But if we're going to read it, then I would be saying, well, look at what you've got right and it's just this part that needs to be fixed up. Would anyone else like to suggest that? Or this is what it would look like in a book and I would put the tape over the right original writing and I would rewrite the word as it is. So I have to do it in a way that doesn't make the child feel like they've done something badly no, and that they'll no. still want to have a go. So That's I'm, right. And that, yeah, they, so, that this is still experimenting. You know, exactly. We're, we're having... And the reason why we're going to get it all in the conventional way, like we would find it in a book, mm. is because we're going to read it yes. and that they would understand that. Um, so I'm getting them to have a go with me. That's why it's interactive. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and if I do it in someone else's classroom, I know I'm not doing it really well because I don't know the children enough to yeah. know what to get them to have a go at. And that's a really important thing for us to be thinking about when we're doing this with whole class because as exactly. you've already pointed out, that we can actually individualise some of this by Uh our own noticings. So what we've noticed as our students are working and what they're working on, um, that we can absolutely draw them into, know who to draw on here, who can can be trying that out, um, you know, on the paper. So really the interactive writing is very much sharing the pen, sharing the... Exactly, yeah. Definitely. Um, on a practical but can note. I just can I just give an example yes. of where 
I might be the scribe and it's even just with one child. I can remember working with a boy in grade four in Mm -hmm. one of the schools I worked in in New York, and he was really having extreme difficulty learning to read. And I think that's the very sort of child that that you should use language experience work with at any age group because I can take their experience and then have them describe it and I will write down what they say. And so because they know what they've said and it's an experience that they've had, they're going to find that much easier to read than anything they try to read in a book. And so it's their experience, they actually know about it. We're using their language style and the words that orally they know. So when they read it back, they're going to remember what they told me. Now, this particular boy had a brother who was killed in a drive-by shooting. And so I knew that was a very, very significant experience in his life. So I can use that experience and help him to write about it, which was a very important thing to do to help him come to terms with it. Mm. And he wanted to read that over and over and over again. Now, it doesn't matter what you write. You're going to be using high-frequency words, so he's going to learn those. And, you know, from there you can step further and help him to learn uh, letter sound connections, um, lots of aspects about spelling, um, you know, whatever it is that you then want to take that child on with. By starting with something that's very significant for them and in their language, uh, they have the, the semantics, they have the, the syntax uh, because they've got the experience, the semantic knowledge, the syntax, it's in the way they would say it, and then I'm just helping them to put that oral uh, work into something that's written, but they can read much easier. Now, I can tell you that boy read and reread and reread that piece. And, of course, the other thing, because I've written it for him, it's all spelt correctly, which is very important if he's going to be reading it many times. And if it was really grammatically so incorrect that that would be bad for him to keep reading it, I would explain to him about why I was going to change some sentence around just a little bit uh, because it would be how I would find it in a book again. But I have to be very careful about him then being able to say it that way and read it. Otherwise, uh, he may not find it easy to read. But if I if, if I had him rereading something that was really poor grammar, that's not necessarily going to be very good to help his grammar improve. So it's a really it's a very sensitive issue because it's it's got to be very important, meaningful for him yeah. and how he would say it. But I can tell you that was the absolute breakthrough for that boy learning to read. Yes, and it is over and over and over again. Whether it's with a young beginning reader. Um, or with it's an adult who hasn't learned to read when they were young, that personal experience and you being their scribe is very important. Yes, and, and, you know, for every time a teacher will say to us, what do I do for the child who is, you know, particularly if they're an older 
student, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that I can do to re-engage them with reading? Exactly. Or, or move them up, you know, they're, they're stuck in a, you know, in a cycle. They can't find anything that they can read, that they yeah. want to read. And yeah. so, I, you know, it's for every time a teacher starts with those words, you just know that the answer to that is, right, it's time for language experience. Absolutely. You know, and to create to create that personalised text for them from absolutely their experience. And and if it's and if it isn't then a text that they want to read again, we know we haven't we didn't get it right. <laughs> we didn't get the experience right, as yeah. in it wasn't really significant mm. enough for them. Yes. You know, if we had decided what it was going to be about, then yeah. that would make a difference, for yes. example. But you're right, I was working with a group of secondary teachers recently yes. who were very concerned about a number of and boys, it's very common for boys, mm. didn't want to read even though they had time set aside for it, there was plenty of good material for them to read. It was very difficult to find something at their age group that would interest them and that they would not find difficult to read. And, you know, if you're not good at it, you don't like it. Mm -hmm. If you don't like it, you won't do it. It's a vicious circle. And so I suggested to them that we go back to do some language experience work with that group of boys find out what their interests would be and start from that. Yeah. Now, I know this was a little while back, but just whilst I've got it in my head, on a practical note, um, when you were talking about, so in interactive writing, you know, putting tape over um, any words that we want to change, a white post-it note I think is one of the tools that um, teachers would use now. I don't know, is there a tape available? Oh, yeah, there is a tape. There is? There's absolutely a white oh. tape that you can use. Well, yeah, there's definitely. New for and, me. you know, it's really just a masking tape. Oh, okay. You know, you could yes. buy it in a hardware store. Oh, right. And then it's just yeah. the white variety so that yeah. on a yeah. piece of paper. Fantastic. Wow. And it doesn't matter. There's a good not. tip. Now, why am I not writing it on, say, a, a, a raisable whiteboard where I could you know, erase the word and do it again because I can't keep that, Mm. you know. Mm. So I do it on a chart. Um, I I mean, if I was using an electronic whiteboard, then I could do different things, of course, um, as in how to change the word but still keep it because, you know, from the electronic whiteboard I could print out a copy. Yes. Um, And that's the important thing. See, I want to have this large print copy that we can all read together. Yes. So whether it's on a chart or an electronic whiteboard, that's that would be important because that's where we're really doing shared reading at that point when we're all looking at eyes, all eyes on the one text and we're all reading along with me and then being able to read it by themselves. So that – and the other thing, of course, is I want to go back to that text to look at a number of things depending on who the students are and what I want to work on. And, um, you know, for example, uh, if we were talking about going to the park, then we might use that word park to think about other words that had that rhyme, R-I-M-E, the A-R-K, the ark in that. Yes. If we know park, we would know park, uh, bark, lark, mark, hark, etc. But also, if we know park, we would know parks. It would help us with parking, parked, right, etc. So, 
I can go back to just one word in that text we've developed together and branch out into a number of things. We might do an exploration of how a particular sound is represented. We might do an explanation, uh, do an exploration of how the suffix ed is added to words. If we were telling uh, the piece in past tense, then we're going to get a number of those. The other thing before I forget it too, even with very young children, I don't just write one sentence because I don't want them to think writing is just one sentence. If that's what I model, that's what they'll do when they have a chance to write. Yeah. So I make sure, even right at the beginning, that it's at least two or three sentences. And I might keep adding to that for a number of days so that if it was a story, we end up with a, a co whole cohesive story, or if it was a recount, we add all the details of all the things that happened. If I then do it as perhaps... Uh, more like um, instructions of how we planted the plants in the garden, for example, uh, then we would perhaps start with the recount and then I would rewrite it as instructions. So, you know, all of those things about the text writing part of it can, you know, be rich and varied as well. And um, the more that we want to, to add on to it, it might be over a number of days, and if I've got that on some chart, then I might end up with several pages of a book. It could be, um, you know, something that we're learning about snails. And each day we might add a different section, like what snails look like, how snails move, what snails eat, uh, problems with snails or whatever. Uh, and I can do that, you know, keep on adding to the same piece. So I'm demonstrating a lot about how to write a particular genre in writing, but also that writing is much more than just, you know, the one day that you can continue to add to that. And then, of course, the illustration that the children would do that goes with the text, and they have to use comprehension to think about what would the text need to do, the illustrations need to be uh, that will complement my text and that might be where they're learning how to, to label and write um, captions and so forth. So it can become a very rich experience in the writing aspect of it by just starting with, you know, something that was simple to start with. Yeah. So when we're working with a whole class, which is kind of what you've just talked about there, you know, where we we'll be working on a chart and, um, you know, we're adding to that over the days and then we may illustrate that as a class. So what we or the, end up or with... Or we're choosing some children to illustrate the different pages. Yes, yes. Yeah, all right. So what we then um, essentially can end up with is a book, a exactly. class book. Yep. And so this is that great link back to why we wouldn't put it on a whiteboard, why we want to keep these things yep. together so that we have something that enables us to move into that full reading experience. Exactly. And, you know, I often think that teachers work very hard at producing some print in their classroom and then they don't use it enough. Yeah. The rereading of it, the working with different words in it, Perhaps we're writing dialogue so we can learn how to actually use the punctuation for dialogue. There's so much that we could go back and use that print for. Yes. And, um, and it's much more enriching in so many ways if we do that. Yes, yes. 
And then, of course, one of the wonderful things these days is, for example, I never had an iPad, of course, when I started teaching. And if we wanted all of the children to get a copy of that for their own reading, we would have to perhaps rewrite it again onto uh, something that could go into a copying machine and we yes. would be standing there winding the, <laughs> to print out oh, several yes. copies. Way or, back when. you know, the cassette machine or yes. something. If we wanted photographs, we would have to just take a photograph with a camera. Mm-hmm. We would have to get that developed and add that to our writing. Now on my iPad, I can do all of those things and I can actually have a book in a few minutes. Yes. And it's it's the there are some programs like I've got Story Maker, yes. and that allows me to take photographs. So I've got photographs that I've taken with my goddaughter's uh, children, and I'm photographing what the things that they're doing. I go back in uh, to the photographs uh, using Story Maker. I add the text for each photograph. And uh, then I can actually print it out as a book or they can have it on, on the iPad as a book. Yes. And I can also add a recording to it so that I can have the voice of the reading of that book so it becomes an audio book and the children could read along with it or then if they don't have the voice that goes with it, they turn that off, they can read it themselves. Now that's all on the one little piece of machinery that has made our lives as teachers so easy. Yes. Um, and, you know, families could even do this, just the photographs they take of their children's experiences. Um, we could even show them how to make books with their own children yeah. that are the most perfect reading material for learning to read. Yes, So, yes. And, you know, I, I did when I did this with my uh, – and they were four and five old, but then they were – where were they about? Five years old and three years old. And, of course, what I did was I would write something like Sophie likes to paint, Tom likes to play with his truck, Sophie likes to ride the scooter, Tom likes to be on the tractor. And so what am I doing? I'm really even using the structures of the sorts of books that I know kids love to read when they're beginning readers. And I ended up at the end saying, taking a photograph of their grandfather reading to them. Most of all, Tom and Sophie like their grandfather reading to them. So I've written a very cohesive um, story or recount, but it's more than a recount. It's really, a, it's, it's just a really good little story of what they did that day. I did it all within oh, an hour mm. and then they had a book to read of their own experiences. Yes. So it's the most wonderful reading material and, of course, at that age I'm being the scribe, but think about how they can then use the same program and be the scribe themselves and it can be self-corrected or corrected with editing by other people. And again, they've got a wonderful book for reading. Yes. I don't understand why it's not happening, in particularly in the younger grades. I don't understand why it's not happening a, a, a book a week mm. for the mm. for the class mm. because it's so easy to do yeah. and so useful. Yes. And you know, if we want to add to it over days, day one we read our first part. Day two we read. Part one and part two. 
day three we read part one, part two, part three. Look at the wonderful rereading we're doing and how much they're learning from that. Yes. So it's it's just the most wonderful experience and so easy to do. And I could be doing that with kids at any age group, yes. whether it's just with a group or an individual, yeah. particularly if they're having trouble with, with reading and writing, that's an ideal thing to do. Yes. I was just going to add in too for older children, um, you know, when they may have a much longer, you know, they create a much longer text because yep. they've, um, you know, there's it's a big experience that they want yep. to have as their, you know, and that, you know, that can be done over a number of days too. That doesn't have oh, to be exactly. all all done on the one day. The, no. The, you know, the, the scribing of that. And lots of teachers that I work with will, if, you know, if the student says, oh, right, you know, I've started, you know, telling you about it and there's no more time to tell the rest, we just get them to record it. So yep. then they've recorded it, it's on their iPad and so – then at any time we can scribe from there and add that to their book. And then, of course, they've got this, you know, wonderful, we can make that book as many pages as we want for them to illustrate or, as we said, you know, add photographs or whatever it is, the investment in it um, to have good quality reading material for them that they want to read because it is from experience. You're absolutely right, Di. I don't know why it happens. Well, it's not happening more often. Oh. It's just, it and just look, works know, so. One of these, one of these uh, children I was talking about is in grade five now, mm-hmm. and they have to write a picture book for a younger child. And you know, there's a lot of really good things can come out of that because, in order to do that, you really need to read a lot of picture books as a grade five student even to say, well, what is it that makes them work, the types of books that children like so much? What are they? What How do they work so well? And um, so older children who are struggling with reading a bit might find some of those picture books much easier to read, but I do say might and some because <clears throat> one of the things is, of course, many picture books are quite difficult to read. Yes. But anyway, they they go back and they, they can read, they can tell their story that they want to write for a younger child and it could be done in the same way that I've just described. So mm. it doesn't have to just be with their own experience either. We might use the same ideas um, with writing something else. Yes, and, you know, yes. And we look may at, innovate on that. Exactly. Mm. Or if you're writing a book for a younger child, if you actually decide who that child's going to be, then this grade five student could could actually write about that child by yes. using the language experience approach. So yes. there's a lot of ways we can think about it that would be really helpful. Oh, it just opens so many doors, doesn't it, really? Absolutely. So many possibilities. And yep. I love all those examples, um, you know, that you've given there in the way that it can work at any year level, you know, at any age um, and how it can be done effectively and efficiently not yep. you know that it isn't um and it isn't a one-off thing you know it's about the longevity of it the way that we keep working with it exactly visiting it yep. um even by the fact that we might get them to illustrate um 
you know, if it's an older child, you know, illustrating their own text is exactly what gets them back in there rereading you know, yep. day upon day. Huge investment. Certainly. Huge yeah. investment in it. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of other um, um I'll call routines um, that you talk about in your article as well on language experience, um, and that is that um, you refer to uh, one example of language experience being class news. Right. Yep. And so, yes. so talk to us a bit about that because it's such once again it's such a lovely routine. Yeah. Um, well, let me tell you how. Um, I actually worked with a teacher who ended up doing this so well with her foundation class. Mm. And it was um, the routine really began with sitting in a circle with the class. If they're sitting in a circle, then they're talking to the class. If they're sitting in rows, they're talking to you. Mm. So they're sharing with each other. So they're sitting in a circle. And she would simply go around the circle and ask the children one by one to tell the class something that they were doing or something that they were that they might have done at school or at home or something that was important that was going on. It might have been some news of the world that they knew. Um, and so the teacher would then um, you could, there's a number of ways you can go from that. You can try to then write all of those children's experiences down, but that would be pretty hard. Yeah. But each day she would choose a different child and just choose whatever their news was. And then they would, off they would go. Uh, the child would say again what it was that they were talking about. The teacher would be the scribe, or as the year went on, the children became more involved in that in interactive writing. Yes. And, but this was something that this teacher always did. Um, I suggested it to her and it worked really well. She would use, choose one of the sent- words of the sentence to leave blank. So here's an example, um, and it was that the student had said, um, oh, and the teacher was writing what the student had done. So it was Chris went to the park with his mum. They played with a kite and saw the yellow and orange leaves. The leaves were crunchy. So that was what the child had said, and the teacher wrote those sentences. Um, But she left the word went blank, and it was – on a chart again, and then they would go off to what their next route things were going to be to do in the class. But while these things were happening, any child who wanted to could come out and try to spell the word went. Um, and so there was a list of – and they would put their name beside it or their initials mm. beside their attempt. And it was this whole notion of um, good writers try words even if they're not sure how to spell them. And by trying them, then they learn what they know about it and can learn more about what what they need to do to get it spelled the conventional way, how they would see it in a book. Um, So the the kids would um, write perhaps WT, WET, WNT, WENT. And so then they would all come back later in the day and have a look at the attempts and praising all attempts, and then the teacher might be able to point out one of them that was spelt the way they would see it in a book or might need to show them how it would be written in a book. So 
the went would go into the sentence and then they could go on and do the normal language experience work following that, mm-hmm. you know, the rereading and so forth and the illustrating and perhaps adding to it the next day with somebody else's news. Um, and But then they would say, now that we know how to spell went, what other words would that help us to know how to spell? So, of course, it was sent. Um, bent. Tell me some bent. <laughs> Dent, all right. Uh, and one tent. child would might tent and one and sent. One child might. And when they say sent, do you mean uh, something that you have sent away somewhere, or do you mean sent as in money? Because you've said the word sent, but that could be spelt two different ways. Because when we hear that sound. It's not always an S. And so you could have a discussion about that by looking at the two spellings. Um, then you would also, um, a child would say something like meant. Oh, yes, that sounds the same, but let's have a look at how we would write that, M-E-A-N-T. Oh, my goodness, I wonder why that's spelt like that. Oh, because the base word is mean, I mean to do something, or this word means something, something, something. So meant has to have the same spelling. So I can bring in the morphology aspect even. Instead of just saying, oh, no, that's wrong, I might as well explain why it's spelt yeah. the way it is. Or say it's an exception. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, follow so the, yes. Exactly, and, and yeah. that's not true. No. So, um so then we can go on from that. And for example, if it was a word that you could add suffixes or prefixes to, you would do that as well. I want to tell you that just, and of course they did that read it today, tomorrow read two of them, the next day read three of them, etc. And they became like then by the end of the week, well, we've got a book about five days of news. That was a book we put on the cover, uh, news of the week, and we'd say what week it was, the date. Uh, and that would go into the classroom library as one of the books that the kids love to read. But and then we'd start another one next week. Let me tell you, they're the most favourite books. Mm. The kids' illustrations, they were, you know, done by the children, of course. At the end of that foundation year, it was called prep then, of course, um, I simply said to the kids, I want you to write down all the words you know. Mm-hmm. And so they would start, my by, why, sky, hmm, okay, like, bike, uh, he, she, we, be, me. So they would know a word and then they would automatically think about other words that would help them to know. After two pages of this, I said to them all, okay, that's enough now. You don't need to. <laughs> so I asked these children at the end of the year to write the words that they knew. And so they would start. They all wrote different, you know, them in different order, but they would all do this sort of thing. They'd write my, by, sky, why, like, bike, hike, me, she, we, he. So each word that they would remember they knew how to, how to write, it would automatically make them think about other words they also knew how to write were the same. So that this ex- Experience the routine of doing this for the year yeah. was really very good. The kids knew the routine. They would read these books that they were writing as a class. They were remembering how to spell. And the teacher would purposely choose 
high-frequency words to leave blank yes. or words that from that one word you could write many other words so that, you know, she was really very much in control of what they were learning, yeah. but it was totally taken from their experiences, their sentences, and so much reading and writing, spelling work was being done by that. So I think it's really good to work in routines yes. into your yeah. your your working week or on a daily basis, whatever it is that you want to do. So that and think about what am I doing by doing this? What am I achieving? How am I helping the children's literacy development? It's not just a one-off. No. Um, and of course, then we were able to do so much work to do with onsets and rhymes and uh, and just rhyming words and also um, the exploration of sounds, explorations of spelling patterns. So much work just came out of those words. Uh, you, you know, it, it, you don't even have to have money to go and buy books. No. But, but you do <laughs> yeah. because books are going to be different again. They're going to be very rich experiences. But this was yes. making use of their own language. Yes. So ideal. Yeah. And adding to the whole richness of the kinds of texts that they are experiencing so that it's their experiences as well as building, you know, from the books they're reading and hearing, building all of that world knowledge and more information exactly. about all kinds of things. That, yeah. um, and by the way, I do really want to stress that you don't go on the whole year just writing the one kind of text because that would become very limiting for the children's knowledge of writing. So you might do that till you've got each child's piece of news into some a book, but then you would purposely change to other kinds of writing, for example, if we were planting in the garden or and we would write about how to plant bulbs or if we were observing snails, for example, like I said before, and we would write a book about all of the different things we're learning about snails so that I'm going to write procedures and I'm going to write explanations and I'm going to write reports and instructions. So I don't purposely doing that otherwise their own writing uh, will be very limited in the kinds of writing they do yes 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 i was um just coming back to the routines you know for, say for our older writers and yes. readers um we can really build in routines there as well not just by um you know say we've got um like in the secondary situation where we've got um you know a small group for whom we really want to um, have their experiences written and created into books so that they've got those to read. Really yeah. the routine there is about that we we continue to do that for them, not just, okay, we did one book and that's it now. Yeah, um, no, you've got to continue and continue and yes, continue. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so yeah. really finding that place for those sorts of routines to happen and that might take, um, you know, if we've got, um, you know, a support teacher working in the classroom, they might help. You know, that might be part of yes. that routine. That's a, a really valuable way to have, particularly for our older readers and writers, having some consistency about the things that they are doing with That's somebody, right. with yeah. meaningful yep. text. Um, and, you know, the really good thing too is that, 
if we think of this not just as a separate um, experience or routine yes. in the classroom, but something that's part of whatever else we're yes. doing. For example, in that secondary situation, if you could get the science teacher involved, then it might be whatever they're doing and learning about in science that um, one group of kids might need some more, more support with yes. reading and writing by doing the same thing with whatever the experience was on the learning or an experiment or something that happens in science. In a primary classroom, it might be whatever the topic is that you're studying, your mm -hmm. integrated work, and it comes out of that. And again, with older kids in primary, perhaps one group of those kids might need more help in taking what they can say and scribing it and we could do that in an interactive way definitely with them, um, but then making that into something they can read and that they would get a copy of then. So we we can take the same ideas, that language experience routine, but put it into a situation where it actually has a context. Yes. And, yes. It's, and you know, it reminds me that when we start with a context like one of these experiences and you take from the writing that's been done there that you start to study uh, your sounds, your spelling patterns, your prefixes and suffixes, etc. It's not just, oh, now we're going to learn uh, about the sound today, but that we actually start from something that they've written and read and there's a, a, an authentic context that we're starting with and you go on and do the same sort of work. But it's not just, well, where does it fit in? How yes. do I use it? What am I doing it for? Because then when I say to the kids, you know, uh, you can make use of this in your own reading and writing, that's really important. But it needs to come have some context, not just now our next half hour is going to be a phonics lesson. Yeah, that's do you know right. what I mean? Oh, I, yes, I it's, absolutely It's do. sort of like I wonder if the people writing about those sorts of things actually know anything about shared reading, shared writing, interactive writing, language experience work. Because I've not seen stuff written where they start from that authentic experience mm. and build out from that. Yeah. If it's out there, uh, good, I'll yes. show it to you. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes we'll be directing everybody in that way. But, yeah. but it does come back, doesn't it, Di, to this works best when you know and notice your students and what Absolutely. it is they're needing. So yeah. in that way we can make those connections and we can use, we can draw back, we can be intentional about what, what vocabulary are we using here exactly. in this, um, yep. you know, in this um, writing or what are we, um, um, well, if children, if it's about their experience, you know, the vocabulary, the oral vocabulary is going to be enormously rich <laughs> to, you know, so then we can, we can build on that but we can expand in all of those areas that you've talked about. By revisiting and rereading, we can really target, um, you know, all of those reading strategies. Exactly. And our word, uh, you know, our word work strategies, you know, word solving actions mm -hmm. and yep. that. And, you know, our comprehension work. Yes. For example, if we were writing about what we grow in the, we, you know, we're growing vegetables in our garden mm. and that was the sentence, what would we put in the illustration? Mm. Well, what if we put in the illustration 
some carrots, some radishes, some uh, potatoes, and we labelled them. Oh, the reader will have to infer, students, infer that the, what you have planted are carrots, radishes and potatoes. Why do they need to infer? Because you haven't actually said that's what you planted, but why else would you illustrate those three vegetables if they were not the ones you planted? So watch out for that in your own reading, that what's in the illustrations might be giving you more information that you can infer from. So, you know, I want to pull all of those things together so that the children are learning how to be a writer who wants their audience to infer and to know how to use that inferring um, when they're reading themselves. And, you know, I was listening to um, Nell Duke on a recording, mm. a webcast yesterday, yes. uh, who always has written a lot about comprehension with David Pearson in particular. And she was pointing out that it's silly to wait to grade three before you think you're going to start teaching comprehension as though you've got to teach <laughs> you know, other stuff first, and then when you get to grade three, you know, start that. And I thought, yes, you know, the interesting thing is even before a student can read, if they can listen, yes. then they can start learning about comprehension. Mm -hmm. So I could actually read aloud something like that to the kids and I can talk about day one at school. Well, I'm inferring that what they've planted are radishes, carrots and potatoes because those are labelled and why else would they be there and labelled if that wasn't what was happening? I thought, wow, when you're writing this uh, curriculum guide for the foundation teachers for next year, Diane, you're going to write comprehension first. Yes. Right? <laughs> because it's something that you can do right from the start, yes. even before they can yeah. read. So isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm sort of going off on a little tangent there, but... Uh, no, no uh, tangent it, it, at all, because it's... It fits in. Yes, yeah. because it is about the connectedness. Yeah. But these pieces allow us to do so much work across... Yeah all aspects, that connectedness of it. This is how we work with this as readers and writers and thinkers and yep. and word workers and word solvers and... Um, and enjoying I, it all. And enjoying yeah. it, yes. Yep. And do you know, I think as far as, as planning goes, uh, teachers could really look through what they're planning to do, let's say, for first term next year, and um, not just what they're going to be doing in their in their uh, reading and writing work, but what are we going to be learning about in science, perhaps in maths, in, yes. you know, something else, in health, and that we could actually use those experiences in those topics that we're studying to actually do our language experience work during my literacy time. Yes. Yes. And then it would all happen much easier instead of thinking, oh, where am I going to find time to fit that in? It happens in an integrated way much easier. So, And by doing that, you can actually even look and say, well, if we were uh, learning about such and such in science, what kind of writing could we uh, model for that? In you know, so that during the year, I'm actually going to do this language experience work with different kinds of texts, and then you know, 
you, you've sort of thought about things for the year and look back and think about how much you've achieved because you've done that initial planning. Yeah, I think that's a really big point. The the planning of it, we can plan for these yeah. things um, to happen and that's going to, um, like you say, we can have some things that are like a routine but then also this what can we, where can we connect it so that it becomes part of children being able to see that what we can say we can can be written and we yep. can read it exactly and and do you know right back at the start when children are first learning to read um i could actually even take a sentence from our language experience work and i could write the sentence on a sentence strip and have the children you know take the uh, cut that up into words and have the children put the words back into a cohesive sentence. And that's really good for them learning all sorts of concepts about print that we learn, you know, to read and write from left to right, um, that uh, a sentence is made up of words, what is a word. And even when I get to then doing work with Onset and Rhyme, I might cut up the sentence, Chris went to the park with his mum, and I'd think about, which words could I cut up to show them the onset and rhyme that they would put back together? Then I would put all of those little word cards into an envelope, write the sentence on the front of it, and out of that day's work, I've then got something else that an individual child could go to and work with the words from that sentence. By day five, I've got five of those in a box that a group of children could go to and do that because – that's the stage of development that they're at with their reading. Mm. So, you know, I can sort of make this work for me in whatever it is I'm trying to help the children learn more about. Yes. Di, there's so many. I love that there's lots of um, these suggestions, these tips and um, ways that we can work with language experience in your article that is called Language Experience, Talking, Writing, Reading, and that will be accessible for people. Um, you mentioned the Literacy Toolkit from the Victorian Education Department. There'll be more. I think you said there's even videos maybe yep. there. Yes, there are. Yes, so, there are. So how nice is that to be able to sneak into a classroom and see... Um, well, I don't know. Are they classroom ones or teachers yes, talking are. about? No, yeah, they're, cl- yep. no, they're classroom ones. So yeah. sneaking yep. in, having a little look at what it looks like in classrooms and then for people to really think about in their own, as they're planning, where as language experience, where is that or where can it be part of the toolkit in the classroom, you know, to really enable students to benefit from the language experience approach in really helping them to develop as readers and writers. Absolutely. Both, both and oral language and oral, too. And oral For language. For kids to be able to, yeah. first of all, say what they want to say about the experience they've had. Yeah. So it's very good for all of them. And mind you, it means that you won't just be saying, well, I have a reading block and, and then I have a writing block, you know, and they're separate. Because it's really good if you can have that sort of language experience routine where you're including both, well, all oral reading and writing. And yes, it, yeah. it just, 
it just makes sense. It makes it so much more cohesive and authentic. Yes. So yeah. it's a it's a good plan. It's a great plan, and it's a you know we can't recommend it highly enough. It's a you know put your toes in if it's something yep. new for you. You know really try it. it. What does it take? Diet it takes some chart paper. It takes our students. <laughs> yep. And a, you know and a marker. And we're That's away. Right, away. Yes. And, you know, there'll be people out there who've been doing this for years. Yes. Because, you know, language experience work first began in some way in about the 1920s. Oh. And then in the 1960s, Roach Van Allen uh, really brought this to the fore again and wrote about it, spoke about it, etc. It was very, very, very well-known at that time. And when I began teaching, it was really, really big time that we would do language experience work. So it's been around for a long time. And I think as teachers get, I don't know, almost harassed uh, with other, you know, other ideas, uh, instead of thinking about now how can some new learning we've just had fit into good work we're already doing, um, I think it would stay around a lot longer. Yes. But also, if you know, if you did used to do it, and now this has inspired you to go back to that good work again, mm. uh, feel confident to do so because it really helps students' literacy development incredibly. Yeah. Di, when it had its resurgence in the 1960s, yeah. What um, what prompted that? Do you think? Where, where were we in education at that time? Well, if I'm thinking about the 1960s is when I began teaching. Um, The first time I had a prep class was 1972, I think. Um, And so it's interesting. When I think about it, uh, there wasn't very much uh, professional development done in ways other than a whole school district, the schools would close down and you'd get together and someone would talk about X and someone would talk about Y. It sort of wasn't that cohesive. But, you know, when were we doing things like Ellick and Clip, et cetera? Was that the 1980s? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, it would have come up then again. Mm. But I think it was really, for some reason, Roach Van Allen, by writing a book about it in the 1960s, seem to remind people or bring people together in thinking about it. So I think we were more into ways of thinking about how do you teach kids to read, and that was found to be a very successful routine to use. Um, We didn't have a lot of money to go and buy books. Frankly, there were not even a lot of um, picture books written for children. No, that's Um, right. So it would have been a very easy tool for people to make use of. Whatever was going on, it was good. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, we would absolutely recommend it as part of our teaching toolkit, our literacy teaching toolkit. For sure. And, 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 you know, when I just Googled the word, um, or you know, looked at it online, Mm -hmm. language experience, there are oodles of articles yeah. written about yes. it online and, uh, uh, you know, several um, blogs about it and all sorts mm. of things, mm. uh, YouTube 
lots of people talking about it. So there's plenty of information there. And, you know, I looked at all of them mm-hmm. um, and there wasn't very much variation there because it is. It's talk about it, have the experience, talk yeah. about it, write about it, read it. Yes. You know, <laughs> you can't change that very much. <laughs> uh, but, but the things we can connect it to and um, how students can keep working with that is you know, has a long life. Uh, for sure. Yeah. The, the articles That's tend to be um, a lot of them using with English language learners, those where English oh, is not their yes, first language. Yes. Uh, obviously that's ideal. Mm. The interesting thing is you can use it to learn any language, mm. um, not just English. And it's also uh, adult literacy articles um, or children with you know who have got difficulties in learning to read. Yeah. So not enough of them were written about just what you do as normal classroom work for mm. in the first yeah. place, helping kids to learn to read. Yes, yes, yep. yeah. Because there's entry points for everybody with that. Yep. Yes, yep. exactly. Yep. All right. So, oh, what haven't we covered, Di? I think we've covered. Oh, I think we've I think covered, we've covered the works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you say, you know, it's what do we need? You know, we, you know, we need our students. We need to write. You know, have their experience. Get them telling about it. Write it. Let them read it. It's it's as simple as that. You know. If- do you know? I want to make a point. I know of some children in some schools, I work with them, who do not have very rich experiences because of, of um, I don't know, the circumstances they're in as a family or whatever. Right. Yes. But if I want to provide really good experiences to the kids, they can be, um, you know, not the direct type. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Vicarious. Vicarious, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And so do you know there's loads online of fabulous little video clips about all kinds of interesting things. So we might look at something like that and talk about what we learned by watching it and then use that in the same way. So let's yes. talk about it, let's write it down, use that as reading. And I can I can recommend one really great resource for that, and it's called Kids Should See This. Yes. And there's yeah. about 4,000 um, or oh, half-hour video clips of just um, about everything interesting in the world. Yes. Uh, I love to look at it myself and it's free yes. and I think it's the sort of thing where you've got to build children's background knowledge of the world anyway. That's number one thing to do if you want them yeah. all to be um, good readers and writers. And more and more research is coming out about that. Mm. So, um, you know, during the wet days or, you know, lunchtime when the kids can't go out because it's raining or wherever mm. you can while they're eating their lunch, show these. Yes. You know, yes. or say, mm. you know what, this is going to be instead of me, um, we can't have such and such an experience, so let's look at a film, mm. a little video yes. clip. Yeah. And then talk about it and write about it and read yes. it. Yes, and they're yeah. categorised in such wonderful ways. You know, there's like yeah. the time lapse right. um, section. Yep. There's you know you can search in all sorts of different ways of yep. all of these marvellous 
Um, yeah, this marvelous collation exactly. of things to learn about. So you're right. And they're uh, developed for children, so yes. there's nothing unsafe about watching any of them. Um, no, they're, exactly. They're very good. They've been very carefully curated, in fact. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's you know on the home page it says you know I think I think the the people that developed it really you know they were doing it for their own child. I think it started that way. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So I yeah. think it was the yeah. the kid should see this. I think yes. that's the the mm-hmm. title of it. So we'll, exactly. we'll put the link to that. Um, we'll put yeah, that in great. the show notes too. Um, but yes, that's a good point about um, expanding experience. Sometimes yep. enables them to, um, and whether that's through, like you say, things that they're learning about. Um, in content areas, so it's so good to be able to, you know, in their science or in their, mm-hmm. um, you know, what we're doing in other content areas, so nice to be able to link to that if um, or books that they've read, stories that they've, yeah. you know, that they just completely love that, you know, the the idea of Sometimes I've had children, you know, just put themselves in that story, and that's you know, exactly. that's what they, they want to have as retell, their own. Yes, retell, the story. retell it. No, yeah. Yes. So, and and then of course, that really rich vocabulary can be drawn upon too. Yep, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And you know, I just thought you could also do things like you know, Rosie's walk is the story of the hen going for a walk through the farmyard, but there's a whole other story going on in the pictures. So you could write the story of the fox Um, or, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Well, why don't you tell the story from uh, Cinderella's perspective or instead of the bears? (laughs) So there's a million things you could do that would would be suitable for the experience that you can then write from. Yes, yeah. Uh, Look, Di, thank you so much for bringing to us. um, Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Oh, we always love that. Providing so much for teachers. It's phenomenal. Oh, well, really phenomenal. It's like the teachers should see this, (laughs) the teachers should hear this. Yes. (laughs) We'll have our own. I sent. one of the podcasts that we've done mm. to a friend in New York who's yes. a really fabulous educator, yeah. and she said she just is absolutely blown over by the quality of your podcasts oh. and how it makes it so easy for teachers to learn. Mm. Um, they're so rich but practical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's well, it's just such a privilege and a pleasure you know, to be bringing this to and we love that we can, you know, have you as a regular um, on oh. these podcasts, Di, because... It's my pleasure. Oh. You want to know why? <laughs> I always think, well, you know, here I'm at 76 years old and I'm mm. lucky I've learned so much over mm. these years of teaching and how do I get to share it before yeah. I die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's that thing we... we don't we both feel so privileged from the experiences, the mentors, the opportunities, yeah, yeah to learn? Well, we crave yeah. learning. So yeah. it is. It's wonderful to be able to share that. We love that you can share um, a lifetime's experience, um, yeah, you know, good. with us, you know, from, um, yeah, from a long 
teaching and exploring career. You know, it hasn't just been teaching. It's really been thinking about it. But, yeah. you know, you bring, you bring to us, um, you know, background and, you know, research around things and that's really valued. But then also the what it looks like in the classroom is so practical and we can all step into our classroom tomorrow and go, okay, I can try that. That's, you know, I'm ready yeah. to go. So, sure. no, so, so appreciative again. Do you know what we have? We didn't come up with what else we should do a podcast on, Di. Oh, <laughs> wow. Usually uh, that that comes out we don't need to think about. We haven't – we're not going to run out of ideas, are we? No, we are not. <laughs> no, definitely not. I so, thought of a few this morning, so I'll have to talk to you about it. <laughs> good, good, because we'll keep going with them. Absolutely love it. So thank you and thank you to everybody for joining us today. We've loved to see that so many of you have subscribed to the episodes from all corners of the world and that you share them around the world too, Di. The Teacher's yeah. Toolkit podcast is all about giving you an insider's guide to top teaching ideas, tools, techniques in literacy, teaching and learning. And right there is that key thing. It's the insider's guide. You know, we've nothing we're talking about hasn't been tried and done. <laughs> Uh, please yep. subscribe to our weekly newsletter via the website. You'll receive advance notice on blogs, podcasts, events and ways to connect to us. So thanks again, Di. It's thank always you. a privilege. And thank you to all our listeners and all the best to everyone. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.